0: So, could you open your Bible at 1 Corinthians chapter 2? I want to read that chapter and just maybe a couple of chapters, a couple of verses rather, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and then just a few verses from the opening part of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1 says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, but if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Just a few verses from First Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one man says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Amen. And God will bless his own precious word, I'm sure, to our own hearts. To his name be the praise and the glory got a letter through the email just recently from a missionary couple that we know well. Maybe I've been spoken to you about them, Chaz and Jenny, who are working over in uh, Nepal. And the fellowship here has been very kind to them as well. But they wrote a letter just uh, the other day, or yesterday I got it, and praying for this uh, lady who's involved in a deaf school. And whatever was going on with the pupils, the deaf children, some of them who were teenagers, seemingly had it in for the teacher, this lady, who is a Christian, and made life so miserable for her that she actually took that poisoning and uh, Jenny, Chas and Jenny who are missionaries there Jenny managed to find her, she was very ill and she was coughing up blood she had actually taken this rat poisoning, she wanted to end it all because of the persecution that she was getting even from the teenagers who were deaf, it was quite difficult for her and then her husband of course, uh, the mother of her husband is a witch doctor and there was all kinds of things going on there and seemingly his uh, laptop went missing And he has ordered his wife, this woman who's had all this persecution, to get another laptop very quickly or she's going to be in trouble. So there's all kinds of things going on there in Nepal that we know nothing about. So pray for Jenny as she tries to deal with this Christian lady and as she tries to deal with her husband and the grandmother who's a witch doctor. All the kind of things that we don't really uh, think about. Let's just have a word of prayer for them and others in the fellowship. Lord we want to thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ the freedom to share the gospel message and because we are believers we don't have the persecution that others have who are in a Hindu culture who have witch doctors and all kinds of curses pronounced upon them And we pray for Jenny and Chaz as they seek to bring the gospel, as they seek to work with this outlying tribe who are miles and miles away from civilization. We ask you, loving God, to have your good hand upon them. And we pray for this Christian woman who tried to end it all because of the strain upon her life, that she would know your safekeeping. That you would cause her to rise from this difficulty, Lord. And we thank you that she is feeling that bit better. But sometimes it takes a while for that poison to get through the system. We ask you, Lord, for her life to be saved. We pray for her husband. We pray for her mother-in-law. We ask you, Lord, to resolve these issues. And we pray that the church that meets there will triumph and have the victory in Jesus Christ. We remember others who are known to us who are serving you further as these and those who are persecuted for the faith. Lord, give them endurance and give them great perseverance. And give us a word, Lord, that will speak into our hearts today. We, we need to hear what you're saying to the church of Jesus Christ. We need to hear your word for our lives. And we want to be open to everything you have for us. And Lord, just cleanse us from all sin. Help us, Lord, to know what the healing and the forgiveness and the peace of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, will you speak to us today? We give you the praise and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask you a question this morning. It's a powerful question. And the question is simply this. What is your standard of living? Even when we hear all about the recession and all about unemployment these days, when you compare our standard with that of Nepal or some other place, I really think we're living it up, don't you? When you think of the tremendous poverty and misery that that some people are going through, miles and miles away from medical help and all the kind of things that we complain about sometimes, We're really living it up. But I'm not thinking really about material things. What is our spiritual standard? I'm thinking about the spiritual. What is our spiritual standard? Not the material standard of living. And just as there are many standards throughout the world, I think it's true to say there are different standards of living found in the Word of God spiritually. And we want to look at that today, so if you have your Bible with you, have it open at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and see if you can follow me along. The first one I want to speak about is a substandard living spiritually. A substandard living. And really this is living without Christ. And Paul describes this kind of person, you'll find it there in First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So what we have here is a life that can be lived as a substandard life that doesn't know Jesus Christ in a personal way. You know the greatest crazy thing about our world today? There are people who are trying to live the Christian life and they're not even Christians yet. They're not even Christians. They're the kind of people you meet and they are a kind of afraid to call themselves Christians. feel it's presumption to say that it means that uh, people might think they're better than they really are and there are those who say to us well I'm trying to be a Christian I'm trying to do the right thing I'm trying to do what's best for my own life and for my family and the thing that's wrong with that their life is full of self of what they're trying to do there's no room in that kind of talk For the transforming power of Jesus Christ. It's me trying to do all these things. And folks, it doesn't work. All that trying is not going to get us into the kingdom. And there's nothing more tragic than someone who goes around with what the Bible calls a form of godliness while denying the power of it. The Bible says, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, says Paul in Romans 1 and 16. And there are many people today who have the stamp of a denomination upon them, but who are living a substandard life, a life without Christ. When I was in the grocery trade in the days, the old days of the counter service where we did everything for you. We even got your goods from the shelf and we brought them to you and all that kind of thing. But in the counter service I remember on one occasion there were two wee rascals come into the uh, shop. And we had a way of dealing with wee rascals who come into the shop and cause trouble. We would get one of them and put their hands behind their back and we would take the brand stamp and stamp it right on their brow. They would get jailed for doing that kind of thing now. And they would go to the shop with a brand stamp, but they didn't work there. They weren't part of the team, but the stamp was on them. And there are people like that today. They've got the denominational stamp, but they're living a substandard life that isn't even Christian. You no one of the ways we recognize that substandard life, I'll tell you how we recognize it. It's by blindness. You see it there in verse 14. It's implied there. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him and he can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. There's a blindness there. The unspiritual person just can't see it. They can't see the the power of prayer, so they don't pray. They can't see the need of feeding upon the word of God, so they never lift up a Bible. They can't see the benefit of coming together in Christian fellowship, so they seldom attend a church. Just can't see it. This is the language of those who are living a substandard life. It may be religious, but it certainly isn't Christian. Why is there such a blindness? Paul tells us. Look at verse 11 of First Corinthians 2. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And what Paul is saying is simply this. If you want to understand human life, you must possess human life. If you want to understand the things of God, you have to possess the life of God. It's quite simple. And Jesus underlines that in John 3, in chapter 3, when he spoke to Nicodemus. He said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Just won't see it and why can you not see because he's not been born again it may be this is the reason why trying to be a Christian has never really worked out for you because you haven't got the life of God within you you haven't got that insight to be able to discern this is for me these things says Paul are spiritually discerned and until you get the life you won't get your sight back you won't get the insight. You won't see what it's all about. And that blindness brings its own poverty and misery that we're talking about a minute ago in uh, Nepal. But you know, there's other standard of living found, implied in the Bible. We, call, we could call it a low standard of living. You'll find it there in First Corinthians chapter 3, the other chapter that we read. This is Christian living, but it's not Christian living as it should be. Let me read it from 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. If the substandard life is characterized by the word blindness, this low standard of life is marked by the word weakness. Now the word weakness. There's a very revealing phrase there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2. Paul said, you are not yet ready. And even now you're not even ready to receive the spiritual fruit." Here's a life without strength. Here's a life that is weak. There's no growth there. And why is it like that? Why is this low standard of life so weak? Because that development has been arrested. Paul has to treat them like babies who can't do very much. They can't feed themselves. Can you feed yourself spiritually? Where do you learn the things of life? Is it from Facebook these days? Is it from the magazines that you read or the television or the iPhone, whatever it might be? Would you find it easier to walk down the road to blockbusters than to move yourself down to a prayer meeting and Bible study? Can you take the Word of God and feed upon it? You see, babies can't feed themselves. And babies can't speak. Can you speak? I don't mean public speaking. Can you speak to God in prayer? Can you pray? Some people when they meet together, you know, for a prayer meeting, they don't speak out. That's okay. You can speak into yourself. You can speak to God right where you are. It doesn't have to be out loud. Some people pray out loud. And, and there are other people put off because they think to themselves, I can't pray long prayers. Hallelujah for that. You know, if Peter, when he got out of that boat to Jesus, if he had prayed a long prayer, you know where he would have been? At the bottom of Lake Galilee. <laughs> He just prayed, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And that brought the whole of heaven's resources right to his end. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, save me. Babies can't speak and babies have no sense of values. If you gave a baby a a lovely, beautiful toy wrapped in tissue paper, guess what will happen? The toy will be thrown aside and the baby will play with the tissue paper you know Christians who have no scale of values? I'm not going to that church. I had the toothache and I was in bed with the toothache and the minister never came to see me. And go to that women's meeting? But you realise you know, what Mrs. So-and-so said to me? And I've been all these years in that women's meeting and I'm not even on the committee yet. I'm not going to that place. And what do you call all that sort of stuff? You call that childish. Babies. Their development's been arrested. And there's one more thing about this weakness of the worldly Christian before believing. This low standard of living destroys a distinctive witness. You'll find it there in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 3. You are still worldly, says Paul, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? In other words, the weak Christian ends up acting like other people who are not. If you lived in the same house as one of these weak and worldly Christians, you wouldn't know the difference. If you walked alongside one of them in an office, the witness wouldn't come through. If you worshipped alongside them in some church somewhere, you wouldn't even know if they were the Lord's. It destroys their distinctive witness. Are you recognized as a Christian believer? You don't have have to advertise it. When it came to the New Testament church, the New Testament believers didn't call themselves Christians. It was the unbelievers that called them Christians. Because they were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't have to advertise the name Christian. And Paul says... They were acting. You're acting like ordinary men. There's a low level standard and it's no use to God. And it's no use to each other. Boy, I'm glad the story doesn't end there, don't you? The story doesn't end there. If there's a substandard of living that's characterized by blindness, if there's a low standard of living that's characterized by weakness, I want you to see there's a true standard of living. And it's characterized by completeness. And there are two things to be said about this standard of living, it's marked by maturity. This is the Christian actually growing up. Look at First Corinthians chapter two and verse six. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Among the mature, says Paul, are we conscious there's a growing completeness happening in your life and mind? How do you know that we're growing into maturity? You may be surprised to know it doesn't depend on age. I've met some young Christians, perhaps a year or two in the faith, and there's a maturity there even beyond the years. And I've met some older Christians. A number of them who've acted like babes. Just like infants. You have never really grown up in the faith. But how do you know that you're growing into maturity? Surely one one sign is the acceptance of responsibility. You accept responsibility for your own Christian life. You accept the responsibility that the Lord places upon you. If you're growing up in God's family, we can legitimately ask, what kind of responsibility are you carrying for God? What about prayer? When you pray, it's your shoulder getting under the load and bearing that responsibility in the power of prayer. If you belong to a Christian fellowship, acting responsibly is you take your part within that fellowship. The more mature, the more we want to get under the load and share that responsibility. Lives lived by God's true standard will be characterized by that growing up into maturity. And the chief mark of that is to accept responsibility for the lives that we're living for Christ. That we want to get under the load. That we want to share the work with each other. That's so crucial. And one further point needs to be made in closing. Not only is the true standard marked by maturity, but it's also sustained, says Paul, by ministry. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. You'll find it there in First Corinthians 2 and verse 10. That God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. If you're growing up in the faith, you should be able to ask of each other, what kind of ministry is the Holy Spirit being allowed to exercise in my life and in your life? Because I tell you, friends, you've got a ministry if you know Jesus. God has given you a ministry. And the question is, are you using that ministry given by the Holy Spirit for God? Have you accepted responsibility? Are you sustained by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life? What's the Holy Spirit been sharing with you in your life? Do you remember those teenage years? (laughs) They wanted to be adults all the time until Christmas came. And they wanted to be like kids. So we get all the gifts that we wanted. But the Holy Spirit is so different. The Holy Spirit does not withhold his gifts from those who are growing up. I would venture to suggest that the more we grow, the more we want to discover the gifts the Holy Spirit has given to us or wants to give to us. With an exciting time when you're growing up into Christ. An exciting time when you're so open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit that anything can happen. You don't know what's going to happen next because the Holy Spirit can touch you afresh. And your faith can become alive. And your witness can be so bright. Maybe that's the need in your life today. A fresh touch of God's Holy Spirit. To make your faith alive again. And to make that witness so bright. One of the problems about growing up, of course, we don't all grow up at the same pace or the same level at the same time. And again, the Holy Spirit is required to give us wisdom and understanding to help others on in their faith. Perhaps even to hold others back who go too fast. That's seldom happening in church life these days. This is the completeness that we need. A true standard of living, characterized by completeness, marked by an acceptance of responsibility, marked by a maintenance of through the ministry of God the Holy Spirit and so can I ask you the question that I asked at the beginning what's your standard of living spiritually I'm not asking about your material standard what's your standard of living spiritually is it substandard that doesn't even have Jesus Christ there's a blindness there and I tell you this you won't see until you receive the life of Christ in your heart. Except a man be born again of the Spirit, you won't see the kingdom of God. But see when you are, it lights up. You can see it in a way you never did before. Is it a low standard of living, characterized by weakness? You just can't. It's not a case of you just can't see. You just can't. You're just not able, says Paul, to receive the solid foods. Is it a worldly Christian life characterized by weakness? And you're not able. You just can't be fed the spiritual fund. And perhaps the Lord wants to deal with that. And get into the Word, get into prayer, get into a fellowship and know that blessing in your life. it a true standard of living, characterized by completeness. That God, by His Spirit, helping us with wisdom for maturity and giving us a ministry in the Holy Spirit. Folks, that's what I want to be. Is that what you want to be? That's what I want to be complete in him with the ministry of the Holy Spirit leading me and gifting me for the work God has given me to do what is your standard of living there's a old hymn it goes back a long way, it would tell your age if you knew it there's a lot of folk know it in here and the chorus goes like this, Lord lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's tableland, a higher plane than I have found, Lord, will you lift me up on higher ground? Never mind this low level, weak Christianity. Let's be lifted up to the true standard of living, accepting responsibility. Receiving the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I believe great things will happen in your life and in mine.